Hey, Bankless Nation, happy third Friday of October. David, what time is it? Ryan, it's the Friday Bankless weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless. Into the frontier with coffee, with your coffee, with your Friday morning coffee. David, before the show, you told me you had too much coffee. How much is too much for you, man? Three cups. Three cups? Yes. So is that what you had yes, before recording this? I had three recording cups, this? yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's like before 1 p.m., three cups. Yes, that's three cups before 11 a.m. How do you know it's too much? I, the I the yeah, you just kind of, you just know it. You just feel a little bit jittery. Yeah, a little bit uh, manic. You know, you know, people know. I'm on my seventh cup, David. That is insane. <laughs> that is insane. I would die. I think. I would be, I would have to like sit down on the ground and just wait for that to pass. Sorry, seventh so far. I, I shouldn't limit ridiculous. myself. The day is still young. Yeah, I might have a problem. Anyway, happy weekly roll up. Just enjoy one cup of coffee, if you will. We're not encouraging more than that. Just one with your weekly roll-up. David, we had a lot of hot topics this week. Number one, SBF. That is Sam Bankman-Fried, the billionaire, super billionaire, founder of FTX. He's got some ideas on how to regulate DeFi. David, I don't love a lot of these ideas. How about you? No, no, I don't, I don't remember seeing him asking the rest of DeFi about thoughts about things. He's kind of going rogue on this one. Following SBF, Aptos, the newest layer one, on the block from X Meta employees launched, but f also flopped. We'll talk about that. Ryan, what, what are we coming in third? Uh, Ethereum censorship. It's been mm. a hot button topic. We did yeah. that episode with Justin Drake, but it is increasingly a hot button topic, particularly around relayers. We're going to talk about what relayers are, flash bots, all of these things. And the big question, I think, for the Ethereum community is are we in a critical state? Or is this a nothing burger? Mm -hmm. We have to sound the alarm or not. So we'll get into all of these things. As always, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you are listening to, wherever you are watching. That gets us up to the top of the charts. David, before we get in, we have a message from our friends and sponsors at Push. Push Protocol. David, this is an app that I know, love, and I use. The way you activate this app is you just enter, uh, you, you log in with mm -hmm. your wallet address. And what you can do is subscribe to alerts, very handy alerts. I don't know how many times I have woken up in the middle of the night being like, oh my God, am I about to get liquidated? Is my maker, like, <laughs> how many times, Ryan? <laughs> like, well, not Zero so much times. this cycle. Zero but, times for you. <laughs> but I will tell you, no, Some in the original cycle. <laughs> sure, first cycle, yeah. 2018, 2019, oh, things were getting pretty tense. Right. Um, and then also my ENS names, mm -hmm. for example, like when yeah. do they renew? You need to know that. There's nothing on chain that will let you know that, except for push. You can opt into notifications about ENS, about your collateral requirements, about whether you are uh, in the money or out of the money on a Uniswap liquidity pool. There's literally hundreds of different alerts you can sign up for. David, what do you like about this app? Well, as the metaverse, with the thing we're building that Ethereum is going to be this like scaffolding skeleton of builds out, we need push notifications to go and because that's what, what do you do when you wake up in the morning, Ryan? You look at your uh, phone. I check my phone. Uh, yeah, right. You get your push practice. notifications. Uh, so the metaverse is going to need something like push to notify people of shit going on in the metaverse. Uh, <laughs> and so you can go and check them out at push.org. If you are interested in receiving push notifications or pushing, uh, pushing push notifications to your users. David, I got one in there for uh, flag me when ETH is under $895 because that way I can outbid you and get in lower if it yeah. happens this market cycle. Yeah, well, I don't think there's a... What, what, you have to sign in for a DeFi app to get notified of that DeFi app that wants to notify you. Of that. No, Otherwise, they actually... No, it's actually off-chain stuff too. 
Oh, they have oh, like price cool. alerts in here too. Oh, cool. Yeah, on chain or off chain. Awesome. Awesome. You can even get uh, alerted with your favorite um, crypto publications, like Bankless France. Oh, new post oh, from Bankless we France. Get in there. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, all right, tell us about markets. Speaking of price, what's Bitcoin doing this week? Uh, nothing, not really anything. Started the week at nineteen thousand one hundred and fifty-ish dollars, ending the week at one thousand nineteen thousand one hundred and fifty-ish dollars. So flat, super flat. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, better flat than down. Yeah. How about ETH? Uh, ETH also flat, twelve thousand eight hundred or twelve thousand eighty uh, currently, and that's where it started this week. Is this another crab market? Is this like the summertime? Yeah. Boost? So, so when we recorded the last weekly roll up, it was like when we had like nuked down to like twelve hundred dollars, and then as soon as we got done recording the weekly roll up, we bounced right back up to thirteen hundred dollars. Correlation. The thirteen hundred dollar like number for Ether and and like nineteen hundred dollar number for Bitcoin is like super just. A magnet, sticky. I guess. Like, yeah, sticky. Sticky right sticky. now until something new happens. Yeah. What is that yeah. new thing going to be? It's got to be macro. It can't be in crypto. Yeah, it's got to be not macro. Much, it's got to be macro. Much We're post-merge. What's yeah. the next exciting news in crypto? The happening? There's a, there's, that's the thing. There's like a bunch of exciting things in crypto. So no one can like have, no one can focus on one meme because there's like three different things and they're all like yeah. smaller than the merge. A lot of smaller building going yes. on. No, yeah. no like main chain uh, major events here. How about the uh, ETH to Bitcoin ratio? Flat. It's flat. It's flat. Also flat. Surprise. Okay. And that's actually not bad for ETH in, in the bear market, though. Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, you'd expect during the bear market uh, much more loss in the ratio. Yeah. We're not it, seeing it. In history, yes. If well, you look, if you look back to history, yeah. This is history. Look at this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that ratio looks so good. Is it, the problem is the ratio looks so good over like a almost coming up on three year time horizon now. So in order for that to like continue it looking good, like it's just going to take 1.5 more years for that to like keep on going up. Anyways, you know what long, I, long term focus, long term focus. You know what I saw this week, David? Wait, what? You have hashtag Bitcoin in your Twitter bio right now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. There's a story behind that. <laughs> Do you have this story? Is this a story not, that is disposable? No, no it's not. Okay. Bitcoin shills paid David. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin, Bitcoin shills. Yeah. Is that right. what happened? <laughs> I think this is a private bet among friends that he made. That's my guess. That just I lost. The body language here. <laughs> that maybe he lost. Okay. <laughs> there are worse things to lose. Uh, that's pretty funny though. David, David, the Bitcoin bull. Um, mm -hmm. Global crypto market cap. What are we looking at? Are we under a trillion? Uh, under a trillion. Nine, five, six billion. Nine hundred fifty-six billion. Okay, that's all. Is that also flat in the week? Yeah, neither up nor down. It was a flat week. All right. a flat week. Summary: flat week. Neither yeah. up nor down. Um, mm -hmm. Housing mortgage rates are going up though. This is a tweet mm -hmm. from Guinevere. Breaking thirty-year fixed-rate mortgages hit seven point one five percent. Also breaking the housing market. It feels that way. Seven point one five percent. I have never seen rates this high right. in my probably lifetime, my adult lifetime. So what, what does this mean for me? I'm a crypto person who bought a house during the bull market. You uh, own a house. Good job. House. Yes, okay. thank you. Can I ask you, uh, did you buy that house or do you have, is this a personal question? Do you buy that house or do you have a mortgage? I have a mortgage. I put, you have a mortgage? Yes, I have a mortgage. What rate did you lock into that mortgage? Two point something. Hell yeah, David. <laughs> all right, this is my take on that tweet, all right? Um, okay, actually, I don't have that tweet up, but here's what I said. Uh, locking in a 3% fixed rate mortgage or under is the new I bought Bitcoin under $300. Okay, but I also <laughs> bought the top of the housing market, though. So, like, I know, but I, which one am I, am I happy or sad? I don't know. Well, right now, mortgages are going up, but house prices aren't dropping. I don't know if you've looked oh. at the Zillow rates for your, no. for your house. No. I, bought it, I bet it's probably the same or at the level that you bought it okay. in terms of, like, market okay. value. So, I'm happy. 
you're happy. And the best oh, cool. thing about that is, uh, not almost who cares, but like you locked in a two point what percent? Uh, 2.7, 2.9. 2.7, 2.9%. I, th- I think okay? that's right. Yeah. You're printing money, man. <laughs> like, congratulations. All right, oh, we're thanks. inflating at, at like seven to... This This may be the best financial decision you've ever made. <laughs> that's probably true. It's not even... <laughs> including buying Ether at $80. <laughs> no, I, we can't include that. Other than Ether, this is David's best guess. <laughs> so far, we don't know this. Um, but, okay, but you locked in a interest rate on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage at 2.7%, 2.79%. Uh-huh. And money, like inflation, is 8%. So what's your delta, mm. man? You're making oh. 5% per year. Oh, good for Thank me. Thank you, Uncle Sam. That's great. Thank you, That's great. like the dollar. You actually, like in high inflationary environments, you actually want to have a lot of mm. fixed rate uh, debt. Right. Because um, it means you don't have to pay it. Very yeah. nice to be a, a debtor in these cool. in these times for mortgages. Cool. But right. let me tell you who is screwed, David. Uh, everyone who who is younger than me, <laughs> Gen Z, totally. I don't get. Do you know how like um, the meme of which is true? Like millennials getting screwed, like mm-hmm. 2008 financial crisis, and then you can't mm-hmm. afford a house. And how many millennials are like not able to like afford this? This is um, look at this value, beauty, and charm. This is a four bedroom, two bathroom house somewhere in the burbs. Uh, 19, what year? 1950 something? 54? Uh, yeah. Rent is $87 a month. Uh, yeah, you can but buy that also has in a ton of like, like loss in value of the dollar. Like how much you can get a, you could get a cheeseburger for like 50 cents back then. This is, this is also true. There's inflation baked in, but it's also true that, um, home prices as an asset, like homes right. themselves have risen right. far faster than inflation, like right. something like three X, four X. And so, um, I thought millennials were screwed, but like Gen Z now, how are you supposed to afford a house when house prices are so expensive and like your, your, uh, interest rates are like seven, eight percent. What's like the monthly payment look like on that? Yeah. Well, isn't every single generation further away from the boomers, just more collectively more screwed? I, it's I think seeming I think that way. I, I, yeah. I think that's kind of <laughs> how it works. Like the further you are it's... away from the boomers, the harder it is. This is how it's seeming so far. Um, absolutely brutal. Um, but you know, the rates keep uh, increasing. This is um, a tweet from our friend Michael Saylor. If you flew an aircraft carrier like this, you would A, stall, B, rip the wings off, or C, crash and burn. And he is showing a chart of the uh, U.S. one-year government bond yield. This is bonds. Mm-hmm. This is the yield of bonds. This is kind of showing you what the, the Fed is doing, the central bank. And uh, for those of you that can't see listening to the podcast, we see in 2018, kind of a, a brief bump up, and then massive volatility, spike all the way downward to zero, COVID spike, and then this this crazy ascent. Uh, David, you've, you've flown planes before. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to take off like this? Is that how planes uh, work? You just, yeah, you need a massive engine to be able to do that. You need like to be a rocket in some, ship? Yeah, you need to be in like a, uh, uh, like a, a yeah, a, a jet. You need to be in a very fast, lean jet. Okay, so uh, validate this. If you flew an aircraft like this, would you rip the wings off, David? Uh, you would stall. Like. You would stall is what you would do. You would, what you would do. You would run out of energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. I feel like it's um, the next experiment of, of the central banks is like how much volatility mm-hmm. can the bond market take before right. the wings well, get ripped it's currently, off. currently taking more than Bitcoin. Remember that from last week? Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Uh, meanwhile, 
Tell us about ultrasound money, David. It's super ultrasound, Ryan. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, last week was the first week that we had a, a ton of burn. And this week, we also have a ton of burn. I think last week we're at 5,000 Ether issued since merge. Yes. Right, right now, we're at 3,700. It's going down. Going down. <laughs> that's what uh, we like. So, yeah, that's what we, what we like to see. Uh, and so the current supply of ETH has like peaked out at 120,534,000 was what it was about two weeks ago. We are now down to 524,000. If we continue on this trajectory, Ryan, in like maybe three, four days, we will actually be below the Ether supply where we were when we merged. And Ether will become deflationary since the merge. That is wow. awesome. Last wow. year or last week, we talked about how this was because of this like uh, new to Ponzi token, Zen Crypto. Yep. Well, it, actually, in the last three days, it's been Uniswap V3, OpenSea, and Uniswap V2 as the three largest burners of ETH, collectively burning basically 3,000 Ether above Zen Crypto, still burning 900 Ether, and then ETH transfers burning 800 Ether, Tether transfers burning 630 Ether. Uh, so this is this is good, real, sustainable build, uh, burn, not from some Ponzi token. Uh, and we are still going down. So, uh, and just to recap, at the peak of issuance, when, when the supply of Ether was the highest, it, there was something like 0.22% net inflation per year. We are all the way down to 0.03% net inflation per year. And if this burn continues, man, we are going to be deflationary since the merge. Wow. That's Look at cool. All this. What that I like cool. about the burn leaderboard too is like it's all of these use cases of ETH as money. A lot yep. of the Uniswap trading pairs are actually ETH. Yep. ETH transfers, number three, burning a lot of ETH, mm -hmm. using mm -hmm. ETH as money. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess ETH is money after all. Maybe even, maybe even, I'm not going to say it. I am going to say it. Ultrasound Ultra money. money. <laughs> Ultrasound money. Maybe. We're almost there. <laughs> We're almost there. It's kind of almost there. It's my favorite. This will never not be my favorite website. Yeah. I can't imagine uh, a better, like, uh, what's better than this? It's great. Name me it's a better great. website on the internet, David. Oh, if we, if we wait one more block, we're going to watch it go down below 3,700. Wait you, for it. You really want to do. Wait uh, for it. Every 20 seconds, wait 21 seconds. Uh, new block every six seconds. Oh, I did. It only went down a little bit. Nope. Fuck. <laughs> 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 Anticlimactic. <laughs> we'll edit this part out. <laughs> uh, what's happening with Euler? Euler. Euler TVL hitting a new all-time high at almost $300 million. Euler, a new money market on the scene, like the likes of Compound, Aave, Rari, uh, but a little bit more governance minimized, a little bit more algorithmic. We recently did a show with them in Alpha Leak. Uh, coincidence that it's hitting a new all-time high of TVL? I don't know. But if you want to learn all about Euler, I did an Alpha Leak with Michael Bentley to learn all about it. Uh, disclaimer, Ryan and I are angel investors in Euler. We are, and uh, that token Explain is now more. on the market, though. Uh, yes, that token is now on the market, yeah. Uh, Angel Investor, a long time ago. That took, yeah, that, uh, that was one of the first ones we did. Uh, it yeah. took that project a while to come out. Um, mm -hmm. Token Terminal, what are they doing? Okay, actually, this is um, music NFTs. Mm -hmm. And I know you've got a take on music NFTs, but yeah, I'm right. feeling some bullish vibes from you, not mm -hmm. only David, but as other members of the Bankless team keep mm. talking about music NFTs. Right. Is it showing up in the numbers yet? It is showing up in the numbers yet. A monthly cumulative side-by-side -side fees is what we're looking at. Basically to date, $3 million has been earned by artists paid for by fans. So $3 million has been transferred from fans to artists. In my mind, all I'm seeing is $3 million of compensation for creating art. 
and that's what we like to see. $3 million, not that much, but you have to remember it actually doesn't take a lot of value transfer to really move the needle versus what something like Apple Music or Spotify does. Like Spotify and Apple Music for like value transfer from fans to artists is like first gear. Where like music NFTs, where if you buy one single music NFT, that, that accounts for like like a hundred thousand listens is one single music NFT sale. And so that's like, you know, third or fourth gear in terms of efficiency of what you get if you purchase a music NFT. So I, I know we're on the bankless rollup. We're used to numbers like hundreds of millions, billions, blah, 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 blah. $3 million is small, but again, it's such, it's such a big order of improvement from what previous Web2 value transfer platforms provide. And this is primarily uh, so on really the... Excited. The sound protocol too, right? Sound.xyz, yeah. which sound. is where, XYZ, and yeah. David was talking about the, the, the art is actually music. So these are actually mm -hmm. not JPEGs. These are MP3s also that JPEGs. are selling. JPEGs they, are they the album co covers and then like, yeah. but, but mainly it's, but, the, but it's mainly the, it's the music, it's the sound, it's the music. Yeah. It's all about the sound. Mm -hmm. Uh, super cool. You're starting to sound, you know, okay. So, um, do you think, let me ask you this. Do you remember, uh, JPEGs in 2020 NFTs, mm -hmm. 2020? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hadn't taken off yet. Right. Late, it was late 2020. But some people on the podcast telling us it was going to be huge, absolutely, like really big thing. Yeah. Um, do you think music NFTs are where JPEGs were in winter of 2020? My take is that music NFTs are not for crypto people. They are for music people. And music people are normies. Uh, I don't like JPEGs definitely was a product that like we all like to speculate on just because there's like digital collectibles, right? Very, very adjacent to crypto money is crypto uh, like digital collectibles. I think music NFTs are going to be more for artists and their fans, regardless of whether they are crypto people or not. Uh, and so I think that that is an invalid question. An invalid question. So in other words, you think it'll just grow differently. So it'll grow differently. It'll be more mainstream. We saw kind of um, JPEG sort of start to take shape. Firstly, there were crypto collectors of JPEGs, and then it bled into mainstream. Mm, and you're true. saying we sort of skip that step. I think I what think you're so. saying is we yeah. kind of skip that step. There won't be as many crypto collectors. It'll just start with mainstream instead. Right, because some unknown artists can come in and start making like an NFT collectible thing. But for to sell a music NFT, you have to be a musician. And you need to make good music. Like no one's going to collect like bad music NFTs. Probably, hopefully. Yeah. I'm actually, actually, I take that back. I could probably see some crypto people figuring that out. <laughs> but I, I do think it's just like it's more mainstream than what we've seen previously. It's also, kind of a like NFTs, kind of a regulatory proof industry. I'm not. There's always ways for regulation. I, I, yeah, there's always ways for regulation. So don't let me speak too soon. And yet, <laughs> this is not like um, as scary as yes. um, a you know non-state money asset right. it seems to yes. be for regulators agree cool we got a lot more coming up uh mm. sbf wants to regulate DeFi. we're going to talk about that what his idea of regulation looks like also aptos was a total flop that's what it sounded like the newest layer one chain on the block will tell you about that and ethereum censorship is this a problem or a massive nothing burger we get into that as well we'll be right back but before we do we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible Arbitrum One is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum One and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, 
and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. The Brave Wallet is your secure, multi-chain on-ramp into Web3, and it's built directly into the Brave privacy browser. Gone are the days of managing multiple wallet extensions that put you at risk of phishing, spoofs, and tracking. With the Brave Wallet, you can securely manage your crypto assets across more than 100 different chains, including Ethereum, Layer 2s, Solana, and more, all without downloading risky extensions. The Brave Wallet is easy to set up and removes the headache of jumping between wallets and extensions. It's lightweight, but packed with great features like built-in token swaps, buying and holding NFTs with a gallery view, and support for hardware wallets. But also much more than that, because Brave is shipping new features every single month with a mission to make Web3 easier to navigate for its over 55 million users. Wallet extensions are a thing of the past. So get started with Brave's Web3 Ready browser today and experience a decentralized web seamlessly without all the clutter. You can download the browser at brave.com bankless and click the wallet icon to get started. Ryan, is it time to sound the fire alarm about another regulatory thing coming down the pipeline that's going to kill DeFi? Uh, the Alliance DAO, the team out of the Alliance DAO says the DCCPA greatly threatens DeFi innovation. The proposed bill says three things, according to this tweet, the summary tweet, gives the CFTC new powers to regulate spot markets, also forces human intermediation, we don't like that word, intermediation, and also forces projects to sacrifice decentralization. It favors centralized incumbents and kills startups. Alliance opposes the DCCPA. Ryan, uh, you were paying attention to this while I was gone at DevCon. How big of a deal is this? Yeah, I was paying attention to this. And I, I guess, I, in my mind, there are three things to know about the DCCPA. I, I have a hard time saying that. But this new bit of legislation actually stands for the Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act. Okay, this is coming out of the uh, ag, um, uh, the, the agriculture group uh, committee in, in the Senate. Um, three things I think you should know. Uh, number one, it feels like the U.S., really wants to do something with crypto from a regulatory perspective. And what I mean is particularly legislators. Um, and also, I think crypto kind of wants them to. We've been asking for more clarity. There's so much ambiguity. We want our legislators to do something. Uh, number two, I've been told this bill actually has a real chance. There's so many bills about crypto, like hypothetically talked about and batted around. I've been told, David, that this bill could actually pass. Like it actually might work and it could actually pass during kind of a, the, the lame duck session uh, that we have in, in kind of the winter uh, time period. Um, the last thing though, I will say, and this is uh, important, you asked the question of should we sound the, the fire alarm? Right. Uh, I think the answer is not yet. I know okay. Alliance Dow is, is kind of doing that in this tweet, but um, I think the answer is not quite yet. And the reason is the newest draft of the bill isn't yet public. All right. And so there's, a lot of people are fighting behind the scenes, including people, blockchain association, people we've had in the podcast, uh, people that are DeFi friendly. These are these are lobbyists. These are educators and our legislative. They're, they're fighting to actually make this bill better, make it good. And uh, the fight's not over yet. And so what this tweet is responding to is a, an early leaked draft version of the bill. A leaked, like, a leaked draft version, so not the actual bill. Not the actual bill. It was a version of the bill from like three weeks ago, is what I've oh, been okay. told. So, And it, it is true. It has a whole bunch of garbage in it. 
um, particularly garbage around DeFi. And uh, the, the big concern about this earlier draft, I mean, it has good stuff like ETH, it says ETH and Bitcoin are not securities, they're commodities. I mean, that's good. We would all support like that. that. That's the clarity we want. Thumbs up. But it has some bad stuff because mainly DeFi is, uh, is not even considered. Or worse, in some cases, it's treated the same as CeFi. This is what right. the Alliance is, is saying. They're saying forces human intermediation. They're not even considering the possibility that DeFi is, is code-based and peer-to-peer. So that is bad. And that's why some critics uh, in these earlier drafts have said, look, if something like this passes, bye-bye uh, DeFi in the US. Or maybe like, bye-bye US's role in DeFi. You're going to eliminate yourself from the uh, the crypto market. So well, in, in what mechanism does it just like, how does that, can you elaborate on that? I uh, haven't read all of the details of this particular draft, but it seems to do things like um, make all DeFi protocols in the US uh, register, for Does example. it just like operate under the assumption that yes. decentralization is actually like impossible and therefore there's always somebody to register somewhere? The high level is it seems to operate under the assumption that all DeFi protocols can be regulated and treated the same way as an FTX or a right. Coinbase. Okay, so it's just ignoring the Go register with each state, like go like just the whole same right. process and apparatus that applies to CeFi and banks. Well, let's just take that. And of course, it can apply to some code in a DeFi protocol and the mm -hmm. creators of this code. And that just doesn't work. And that's inherently, I mean, it breaks the system, destroys the credible neutrality of the system. Um, so I guess my take is, and, and Jake Travinsky said this, uh, commenting even after this this uh, tweet that you originally read was posted, um, there's been some discussion today as to how the bill, this new bill we're talking about, affects DeFi. Here's what I said after the Senate egg hearing on the bill last month. Um, I'm hopeful that it can be amended to treat DeFi fairly, but we'll have to wait and see what the next draft says. So I guess my take, while you're out, David, my take is um, I'm following kind of Jake's lead here, right? Like he's working, they're working collectively right. behind the scenes. There may come a time when it's time to, to um, throw up the bat signal and uh, send out the fire alarms and the bankless community needs to react to this and all of like crypto needs to react to this to, to either kill it or support it but we don't know enough yet. So I'm saving that okay. ammo until we know a little bit more. Um, I feel like that's the right approach here. That okay. said, David, there's another story uh, right. in, in the midst yes. of this. Do you wanna lead right. into that? This is not our first rodeo with like un, undesirable regulation, proposed regulation in Congress. Like the difference here is SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX is like leading this thing. Uh, and has been, uh, apparently he's been in a DC almost living in DC, working with regulators to get this bill through. And that's kind of the big news here that, that I've gathered from crypto Twitter and around is that SBF has like just decided to like go on his own and it like lead this bill. And uh, it's the incentives here that seem to point in that all of DeFi is like semi-regulatable. Therefore, we might as well do it on like CeFi rails. And wow, that's really convenient for FTX and SBF. That's kind of been my take here. Is that is that accurate? Uh, there, I think some of that criticism might be true. So I guess I would say is in the process of this bill's creation, it's been well known that the SBF has been heavily active. He's not the only one right. pushing for this sure. bill, but he's been an active participant along with you know, the some only of one the in crypto, DeFi. Though, right? No, no, no. There are a lot of DeFi advocates that are involved in this bill. Uh, oh, you know, interesting. Crypto um, lobbyists and such. Like you know, so, some of the people that we would. Uh, that you and I and probably the bankless community should actually like trust to uphold mm. uh, DeFi rights. They've been also active in this bill and pushing against it. Although I will say, against rumor, 
with it, like uh, with it. To, okay. to, to craft it in, in kind ah, of an image I of see. what it should be. But I will say uh, SBF has had um, some, some pretty big influence as well. So he's made massive amounts of political uh, contributions. All of these right. contributions are, are, are public, numbering in the millions of dollars. Uh, and also, as you said, he's been active, like he's been there. He's kind of, um, I don't know, maybe the adult in the room, right? The, the person who can kind of bridge fin fintech and that world in the banking world with this new world 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 of, of crypto and he's he's got some influence and and so i don't know it's hard it's hard to know uh some people are saying like sbf is intentionally trying to sabotage DeFi, right it's like t to me you have to kind of wait and see like i mean these could be rumors we don't actually know but what sbf did publish um yesterday at the time of recording was as promised he says this is a tweet my current thoughts on crypto regulation and he writes a post um to his credit open, transparent about his thoughts on a possible digit as digital asset industry standards, right? And he talks about, there's a heading here called sanctions allow lists and block lists. There's a section about hacks and accountability. There's a section about asset listing, what's the security, what's not, tokenized equities. There's a section about uh, consumer protections. Generally, the things legislators care about and regulators care about. There's also mm -hmm. a section here about DeFi. Okay, so I read this thing yesterday, David, and um, there are some things that make sense here. Mm -hmm. And of course, the, the straw man argument for like, you know, the, the people might, might make to, you know, to uh, those in the DeFi community is, oh, you, you're in DeFi, you don't want any regulation at all, right? No, that's not true. Right. We actually right. really want clarity. We really want regulation. Right. But do you mm -hmm. know what's worse than no regulation? Bad regulation. Yes, bad regulation. If we end up with bad regulation, I mean, these, these laws get on the book, they could set the US uh, crypto industry back by like years, maybe generations, maybe it'll never recover, right? And so I went through this. Here's my response, David. Sam, this is to yeah, SBF. This, this was spicy, this was spicy. With respect, utmost respect for everything you've done uh, in crypto. This absolutely sucks, I said. You're saying DeFi should be OFACT. You're saying on-chain freezes should be normal. You're saying DeFi front ends need to register as a broker dealer. No, this is not reasonable. This would eliminate the US from the crypto uh, race. And here's- Sam's advocating for all of those things? Yes, from his, like if you read this, and we'll include a link in the show notes, um, there's, there's this section on OFACT. Um, he says this, then both centralized and decentralized applications can query in real time the list of sanctioned addresses to avoid transferring funds to or accepting funds from those addresses. He's saying basically, if you're a Uniswap, you're DeFi, and before you let an address do something with your protocol, you have to query the OFAC sanctions list. Is this okay? Is so he, he's advocating for application layer censorship. So application wants, like, layer OFAC sanctions, correct. Yes, right, okay. Now he, he's he's saying, and he even says this. He's not advocating for validator level censorship, right? Yeah, right? not protocol layer, which is a, something we're about to talk to in a second. But Uniswap, right? Having to basically OFAC check you or not—that is something he's advocating for. Um, what else is there here? Just to back some of these statements up, um, talking about on-chain uh, freezes. If there's if there's kind of like normalizing the idea of being able to to freeze assets on chain, I don't possibly the implication is writing that into the into the code. Obviously, so this would apply to a USDC, but into other assets as well. Uh, maybe validators have this uh, obligation as well. And this one really triggered me. If you host a website that makes it easy for U.S. retail to connect to and trade on a DEX, you would likely have to register it as something like a broker dealer. Yo. David, what? if you host an interface for Dude, Uniswap, is... 
You got to be a broker dealer. You have to go apply for a license. Okay, so going and like, uh, show me the incentive. I'll show you the outcome. Uh, yeah, FTX, big competitive competitor out there, is the aggregate DeFi landscape. And so, Sam, the guy who's been donating thirty-nine million dollars to political organizations in the Biden campaign, is now saying, "Hey, Dexes and DeFi should have to register to become a broker dealer." That's what regulatory arbitrage is. That's legalized corruption. That's what. That's the whole thing we're trying to not do in crypto. All right. So this is obviously my worry, and I think many of the crypto communities worry. Sam, in this thread, and to his credit, SBF was engaging back and forth. Public engagement. Okay. People were calling him on this, myself included, others. Uh, okay. And he was engaging back and forth. And his point was, hey, if you don't do this, the de facto like uh, is worse and I'm at least working in D.C. to pass something that is better than nothing, better than what we have today. And uh, is it? No, <laughs> this is terrible. Now, yeah. to be clear, I don't want to mix. A hot take. I don't want to mix this up. Uh, his personal thoughts on uh -huh. regulation. I don't want to mix that up with the the bill itself. Okay, uh -huh. these ideas are not necessarily in the bill, but this okay. gives you a sense for where his head is. And when I read this, I was just like, oh, we are not here for the same reasons, are we? Right. You do yeah. this, David. Well, that's always been our frustration with Sam. But like, yeah, but you do this and like, what's the freaking point? You right. remove all of the credible neutrality uh, of like US crypto. And what do you have? You have nothing. And it's got to be negative EV for negative expected value for FTX. Because if you like nuke the cool things that make crypto what they are, where does FTX's business come from? It comes from crypto. Over the long run, I think that's true. I don't know if he thinks maybe there's some money to be made in basically um, providing the AML KYC type layer. I mean, there could be like, or maybe there's, or I don't know what he's thinking. I, d I actually don't understand here, but like this to me definitely has a flavor of, um, well, a, a, a crypto banker not sticking up for DeFi's interest, right? Yeah. Like th this is what it, like this is not we didn't ask for this. We don't want this. If if you're going to participate and lobby in DC towards these ends, like please don't. Not on my behalf anyway. Yep. I, I don't want any of this. I request to not have this. <laughs> <laughs> now to be fair, that, he's saying possible? like if you have feedback, give me a better suggestion. I'm completely happy for the crypto community, the DeFi community to present better suggestions and like we will in the future. And I hope people like Sam actually listen to this feedback. Like he might not be in it for the reasons we're in it, but he has to respect like why crypto is valuable in the first place and not start to erode these values. Um, David, there are some other takes around the community. You wanna talk about some of these? Yeah, DC Investor says, SBF is the most effective value extractor in crypto. He's very transparent in that he wants to siphon value out of your account into whatever causes he claims to care about. Couldn't care less about decentralization. Meanwhile, NPCs hear simp and worship him like a hero. Pathetic. Ooh, DC coming in with this spice. Uh, yeah, I mean, so like Sam Bankman-Fried does have this like cult following in crypto. Like anyone that makes like a billion dollars in crypto is going to generate a cult following. I think DC here, DC is like saying, hey, like let's not. Let's not do that. Let's not. Let's like, not exalt more, billionaires because yeah, exactly. they made billions. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. How about this take? Um, Scott Lewis says FTX is spending money to push a law through Congress that may force DeFi protocols to operate like centralized exchanges. This proposal is called the Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act. A better name would be Digital Commodities FTX Protection Act. That's what I was saying when it was like, yes, this is like, okay, like Sam is like somebody builds a big entity and then they start lobbying regulation to protect them. Uh, that I see this take as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I think that is the the big fear. Uh, this is where that number came from. What's uh, this tweet saying, David? Yeah, Sam Bankman-Fried has spent thirty nine point three million dollars, uh, quote, buying DC politicians since January. Um, I mean, anyone who's been living in DC lately has. I mean, that's w- what you would do. I mean, and here here's the thing. I think we actually do need to spend money. The crypto industry does. The right. DeFi industry does need to spend money and get out votes in order to get politicians uh, working with us. That's just how the system works. But if we're, and I will I will bring up that Sam Bankman-Fried has uh, promised up. to donate ninety nine point nine percent of his wealth or something to effective altruism and give away all of his money. Um, I haven't seen any tweet talking about him doing that. Uh, I would like to know if there's been progress on that front. I mean, he said he's going to do it later. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we'll so see. am I. We'll I'm see. also going to donate 99.9% of my wealth later. Are you really, though? Yes, I am. Are you really? No. Okay. <laughs> well, making fun of Sam Bankman. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't judge him on that. I just, you have to wait it. Um, actually, um, who else had a take on this? So this is a take from uh, Eric Voorhees um, responding to SBF. And again, SBF has been on a, a lot of criticism. I appreciate that he showed up in Washington and that he's like, yeah. I appreciate some of what he's doing. He's not doing nothing. He's not doing nothing, but like if he gives us, if it results can, in terrible less, legislation, <laughs> like please just don't do anything. Um, yeah. This is Eric Voorhees saying, you can advocate for effective altruism or you can advocate banning 80 million innocent Iranians from the future of global finance. You can't do both. Glorifying OFAC and proposed crypto industry standards is a non-starter. That that to me is actually like um, effective altruism aside. Like I actually think the thing that we're trying to do in uh, preserving and propagating crypto protocols and crypto values uh, that is a public good. Right. I mean, yeah. like that is a service to future generations, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't mind more spent on that. I can't tell a billionaire where to spend his money, but like. If the result is uh, we get something like this, David, right. no thanks, man. No thanks. Yeah. Um, I'm out. Last thing I'll say is the invitation is open to Sam Bankman-Fried um, to are, come we on We are in DMs. We are in DMs. Yes. Uh, I'm waiting for him to confirm a week from today. A he said he'd be willing to come on the Bankless podcast and talk about it. And I think mm-hmm. um, that is the form. Like you can't have a nuanced conversation over Twitter. Yep. Podcast is the form. And we would love for Sam to tell us uh, about his take. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, t- tell us what he's thinking, respond right. to some of these criticisms, uh, and we hope he takes us up on that offer. So uh, yeah. we will see, my friend. That is that for now. Uh, David, can you tell me what the people really want to hear about? And that is the Aptos Layer 1, baby. I just cannot wait to hear about <laughs> Aptos. Okay. This shiny new monolithic Layer 1 that's promised to be even faster than all the other previous Layer 1s that have come out has finally gone to mainnet. So Aptos Autumn is here, this tweet says. Uh, was it actually here? I don't really know. But the, the news that I heard on Twitter and around is that it's not actually what it all, was all cracked up to be. Uh, so Aptos, it's uh, was a layer one blockchain that was built off of the Move language, which was developed by the, uh, what was that one Facebook Libra. chain? 
Libra, yeah. So for people that weren't around during the Libra era, Facebook was wanting to make a digital currency, a new, a, literally a new currency. An, yeah, with an ETH killer attached, the whole with smart an ETH contract killer attached, platform. Yeah, before like Congress said, no, Mark Zuckerberg, you can't have a new reserve currency. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, but anyways, the team behind that has gone off and created Aptos using the move language that Libra was created. Um, it w promised... Uh, to have a maximum ceiling of 100,000 transactions per second. And apparently, uh, this is, I haven't verified this myself because I don't even know how to use Aptos, which is another problem, uh, that the current Aptos TPS is, drumroll, Ryan, four. Four what? Transactions per second. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the same. That's, that's less than Ethereum. Okay. <laughs> uh, interestingly... Uh, while the blockchain seems to not be effective, the tokens have definitely been deployed and sent around to all stakeholders. Um, but there's this, uh, the, and this all, all this news break broke came uh, uh, from this Twitter account called Paradigm Engineer 420, uh, who tweeted out, "Aptos is broken." Uh, and so I'll read some key tweets here. Uh, Aptos promises 100,000 transactions per second in its finalized version. However, the current TPS is somewhere in the four transaction range. It's hard to see how users can even use Aptos right now. I personally cannot find any RPCs connect, uh, worth connecting to or any validators that can send transactions. Aptos team knows something, has, uh, something is wrong because between Genesis and 1.30 p.m. Pacific time, the Aptos Discord was disabled. Users couldn't chat or ask any questions, kind of like the blockchain. Uh, they only recently opened up a few channels, but important channels like dev resources are still closed. The total supply of the APT token is a little bit over 1 billion. However, 821 million is currently staked. This means that over 80% of the token supply is controlled by the team and investors, and there was no airdrop or no other method to earn app mainnet Aptos tokens. However, this doesn't account for the remaining 200 million Aptos tokens. Where could those liquid tokens be? Question mark. Uh, so he, they propose some potential answers. Sitting on investors' FTX accounts waiting to dump on retail, or sitting in investors' Binance accounts waiting to dump on retail. Uh, the point is that the nearly entire token supply is going to private parties. There was never a public sale or any method where users could have earned tokens. And then they continue, however, hope is not lost. Sui, another blockchain, is using the move language with arguably better tech. If I had to guess, Aptos knows that Sui will probably succeed in the long term, and they hoped that by front-running them on launch, they could gain some sort of advantage. I will wait for the Sui launch, try out a few applications on Op Aptos, and see what would happen. So that is the summary thread that we got out of that. Uh, any takes, Ryan? Yeah, you know, here's the TLDR in this thread too. You are going to get dumped on. The only play I would make on Aptos is a quick farm and dump. This reminds me not, back Not to, financial advice. Yeah, follow, well, follow yeah, yeah, just maybe life advice. Goes without saying. Yeah. Um, do you know, uh, so this reminds me a little bit of like, 2018 again and like kind of mm -hmm. the promise of a, another crop of uh, ethereum killers 2018 and 2019 and the best advice i kind of learned at that time that i think now applies to this to this new group of uh supposed this isn't actually an eth killer now it's a solana killer it's a solana Aptos killer is which being is kind of branded killer. right yeah, yeah solana killer eth killer it's like and so by the transitory property yeah but the best advice i could give not financial advice life advice is just try the thing first Forget about the freaking token. Don't yeah. buy a token. Don't don't focus on See the token. See if it yeah. works. Is there yeah. anything on there that's compelling? Compare it to your experience on other layer 2s and layer 1s. Can you do anything on it? Do you know do you know the most recent valuation of Aptos? 
Based uh, off no. of the, the is two, it the billion, $2 billion. Damn. Is that all two. kind of like private valuation? So VCs. Yes, private valuation stuff. That's the, the highest number that VCs have. A pre-launch chain, right? But again, it had the pedigree. It had Move, the language. It had the X-Meta oh, Facebook move. team. Oh, boy. I don't know, man. <laughs> the, the, these kind of narratives are, are worth a lot. Um, there's some few takes. Here, here's one from um, Olaf. Olaf. Yeah. Remind mm -hmm. me, what's the name of Olaf's firm? Uh Polychain? Polychain. Multiple chains. Yeah, Olaf the, the, is definitely embracing multiple chains. As many chains as possible. What does he say? Yeah. Olaf says, the Aptos token distribution scheme is among the worst designs I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot. And then he gives, a, gives us the numbers. The foundation, 67.5%. The team, 19%. Investors, 13.5%. The only way coins get into, quote, the community, parentheses, lol, is through arbitrary foundation distributions. Yeah, so the only way that community can get tokens is by buying them. Maybe there was some sort of airdrop. I think it was small. It was like maybe a couple thousand dollars. Here's the reaction small. I'm seeing from the community and all of crypto is like, we're just tired of extractors and rotators. I'm so tired. Just I'm so tired. We're exhausted by it. It's a bear market. Like it's like it's just like again. You know that one meme of just like the the comic uh, is of this. Uh, guy that goes uh, to like a bear trap and like bears this is ridiculous how are you falling for this <laughs> and then like it goes to like some other form of a trap and goes like this is a so silly how can you fall for this and then like the the last panel would be like him buying the aptos token <laughs> yeah i mean it's so uh dc investor calls this the, the events of this week a near categorical rejection of aptos by the community i saw this mainly mm -hmm. by the community yeah. uh kobe says you could tell who bought the seed round because they're tweeting excited for launch rocket ship emoji instead of calling it craptos and tweeting about how it already crashed or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is Anthony Sasano. You just know that three O's capital would be shilling the hell out of Aptos if they were still around. He follows that it's, up. It was, that was one of my favorite tweets. It's <laughs> really? You just, you can totally see it happening. Well, this is the follow up was actually, in my opinion, I even enjoyed this more. Oh uh, my Anthony God, I didn't says, see this. He's, he's quoting Three Arrows Capital. Potential. I have abandoned Ethereum, Avalanche, Deer, Polkadot, Terra, Mina, and Solana, despite supporting them in the past. <laughs> <laughs> My new chain is Aptos. All in, baby. Moon, okay, so for the people emoji. who didn't get that reference, uh, when Solana, or not Solana, when Three Arrows Capital was done with their whole super cycle narrative and they were done on the ETH trade, they moved on to the Sol Luna AVAX trade position. So this was in the second half of 2021. And Suzu said, uh, yes, I have abandoned Ethereum despite supporting them in the past. And so what Anthony Sazano has, has done, he's just added every other chain that Three Arrows Capital also shilled Avalanche, Near, Polkadot, Terra, Mina, and Solana despite pointing them in the past. That was that reference. Guys, put your hands up if you are sick and tired of rotators and narratives without put the building. Put your hands up. Yep. Right here. I'm yeah. tired of it. Come on, SpongeBob. Dave is tired of it. Up. <laughs> oh yeah dude we didn't comment on Dave, david's wearing this gi ginormous spongebob uh shirt yeah, today it's a huge it's spongebob on my chest it's like yeah five it's, it's a, no it's it's a, it's meta because it's a sweater of spongebob wearing a sweater oh my god how deep does it go yeah, it, yeah. only two layers deep okay two layers deep that's pretty good yeah. layer two yeah. we'll get to layer three <laughs> later uh david another big thing this week that was a question mm -hmm. not just this week it's been the last couple of weeks is this been growing yeah. yeah growing narrative of this talk of ethereum censorship and right. this comes out of a kind of a ofac compliant relayers in particular flashbots i pulled up a a reddit post the title of this maybe you could explain it to us is in the last 24 hours 51 percent of eth blocks were censored and ofac compliant what mm -hmm. is this what does this mean is ethereum being censored right now 
Yeah, so this is the 51% here is coming from how many blocks came out of the Flashbots or other OFAC compliant relayers. Uh, and that doesn't, it, and it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like stuff packed in there. Uh, OFAC compliant, it just means that uh, tornado cache transactions are not in this block. So uh, now that we're on the website, we're actually seeing that 54% of blocks are OFAC compliant, as in 54% of Ethereum blocks do not have tornado cache transactions in them. I'm pretty sure that's the only thing that means OFAC compliant or not. We're using tornado cache for transactions. now, but OFAC could add whatever could, it they wants could add more, in the future. More, it could right? add, uh, so, you know, David Hoffman.eth if it wants. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> um, uh, and then and then there's uh, a couple relayers which are definitely not following OFAC compliance, which are probably outside of the United States, and that's like a very small sliver compared to OFAC compliance. Most blocks are like totally normal blocks, uh, and so there's this big conversation. Is like, okay, we have all these relayers who, and this is a strictly a part of the whole proposer builder MEV boost conversation. Uh, where people will build blocks for you and then relayers will relay that to Ethereum stakers who are, will uh, choose a block and then stake on that. Somebody like uh, Flashbots, the biggest relayer in Ethereum, uh, because they are a US domiciled entity, has said, hey, uh, yeah, we're going to follow OFAC and not violate the law and we're only going to relay OFAC compliant blocks. So this has created a conversation of, is it the Ethereum protocol being censored? Because there's like 54% of blocks being produced that are OFAC compliant. Now, there is a huge difference between creating a block versus building on prior blocks. And so we'll call it 50-50. 50% of blocks are OFAC compliant, 50% of blocks are non-OFAC compliant. The non-OFAC compliant blocks uh, are taking, like, comprise of 50% of all blocks added to Ethereum, and then the non-compliant blocks are building on top of those blocks rather than building on top of the most recent OFAC compliant block. So OFAC non-compliant blocks are making their way into Ethereum easily. And this is not an issue. And so OFAC, so people that want to be OFAC compliant are just adding on to the OFAC non-compliant blocks. So, so Tornado Cash transactions are getting into Ethereum. They just take just longer. They take, they take, instead of taking... Uh, pro probabilistically th uh, speaking, instead of taking uh, 12 seconds, they're taking perhaps 24 to 36 seconds to get in. Um, we are worried about this getting worse. We are worried about this approaching, as soon as we start to get like 90 to 95% of all blocks are OFAC compliant, then we actually start to be like, okay, it is now troublesome to use Tornado Cash. But not until we get to something like above 95% would it take like, perhaps sometimes up to five minutes to get a, a tornado cash transaction into the blockchain. Uh, and so it really only becomes a critical issue when we start to actually get into the extreme saturation. And right now we're 50-50. 50-50, still like a lot, still not good. Um, however, it's been my opinion that this is just a very temporary part of Ethereum's history while we are just post-merge without all this other infrastructure. Um, but that, that is the conversation going on today. David, this is a form of... Um Weak censorship. Soft censorship, yeah, yes. is what Justin Drake would call it. And I would encourage you guys, mm -hmm. if you want the full story on this, like the full download on how censorship-resistant Ethereum is, go listen mm -hmm. to the Justin Drake Bankless podcast on mm -hmm. uncensorable Ethereum, I think is what it's called. He goes through this exact scenario that's happening mm -hmm. right now. Uh, and so this is a form of weak censorship, not mm -hmm. strong censorship. It's not happening at the, at the validator level. It's happening at the relayer level. And by the mm -hmm. way, this relayer job function is set to be eliminated at some point yes. in the protocol. Right. We are no longer this, going to have relayers post some upcoming protocol changes. 
Right. And there are, that are, that's a solution that we even have other solutions before we even get to that point, too. Uh, and so, like, we are just in this one moment in Ethereum's history where we are at the weakest point of censorship resistance, which is the weeks to months following the merge. Uh, this is LateLot.eth who put out an interesting poll uh, who said, I'm a solo home validator in country A. We are at war with country B. And I decide that I'm not going to include donations to their military when it's my turn to, to make a block. This validator should A, B slash for censoring, B, voluntarily be exited, or C, be tolerated. Uh, and about 41% said B slash for censoring, about 11% said voluntary exit, and uh, 47%, the slim majority, said be tolerated. And that's also what I said, Ryan. I said be tolerated because, um, and, and I also asked uh, Martin Koppelman here, uh, asked what his answer was because I had a debate back and forth with him about how severe the censorship thing was. Mm. Uh, and Martin Koppelman says, ideally the validator would not even have the option to censor. Agreed. Uh, and then Vitalik responded to that and said, I would say be tolerated, as in allow that person to not include blocks. Mm. And Vitalik continues and says, slashing or leaking or socially coordinated anything should only be considered for massive reorgs, what I, which was what I was talking about with going back and building on a different chain, even though we know that we already have a good one to begin with. Um, slashing or leaking should only, uh, or socially coordinated anything should only be considered for massive reorgs of other people's blocks, not making wrong choices about what to put in your own. Any other answer risks turning ETH community into morality police. And I really like this. I, I think it's I think I as a validator should get to freely choose what transactions to put into a block. So long as I choose the recent the most recent block to put in. Like Say, for example, I am a religious uh, person, and it is, uh, according to my religion, morally wrong for me to include certain transactions of a certain type uh, to into the Ethereum blockchain. I sh and I feel I feel like I should be able to be included by the Ethereum protocol, and I should feel free to choose whatever transactions I want to include into the Ethereum protocol. I should not be able to dictate what other people put into the Ethereum protocol. So I feel like I should be able to pick and choose. And that is we'll called that censorship. But so long as there's not one uniform version of censorship and we are all picking and choosing our own particular flavor of how we want to do our own particular censoring, if you open that up to 10,000 validators, there's no canonical version of like, we are doing this or we have these values. Everyone's transactions ultimately get in. But we also don't censor people's ability to express themselves. Uh, that's my take here. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think some people are worried, though, David, about like this being sort of a slippery slope. And mm -hmm. are we letting, are we making it socially acceptable to get um, part of the block building process be uh, OFAC compliant? And some of the criticism has been lobbied at Flashbots themselves. So let's remember how much good Flashbots has done for Ethereum. Yes. Like save Ethereum's ass. I don't know how many mm -hmm. times, right? Just like... <laughs> We, we are in a much more censorship resistant place because of Flashbots. And people mm -hmm. um, are saying, well, now Flashbots is undoing that because they're choosing to host a relayer that is censoring transactions. And why don't they turn it off? The, truthfully, David, I don't know the answer to why doesn't Flashbots turn off their relay or not. They might have reasons for this. I have no idea why. I do think that like Flashbots and Phil Diane and others have literally spent their entire like lives, their entire career trying hero. to protect. Phil Diane is a hero. Yeah, he's he's a hero. And so a little bit of me, the, the back and forth on the social layer, because Phil put out a tweet and he was like, hey, I'm just sick of like the vitriol. Like right. you guys are yeah. like, 
it's kind of toxic. I'm paraphrasing what Phil said. He said it far more elegant, uh, eloquently. But like to me, Phil Dian, this is a little bit like um, Gotham City uh, right. complaining about Batman. About Batman? Yeah. yeah it's right. like Flashbots and Batman has been protecting Gotham for a pretty long time. There are mm-hmm. sometimes you don't understand Batman's motives. There are sometimes right. like Batman screws things up and actually yeah, should yeah, be criticized. Like cause a car crash. Or sure. Something. Or like maybe he actually genuinely screwed up and we should definitely hold hold them accountable for this. But like also at the same time, um, Batman's a good actor. It's like doing right. it for God. And I don't know, there's an element of that where I, I feel like we as a community also should have uh, extend some grace to the builders mm-hmm. actually trying to protect against this. So these are my takes. Mm-hmm. And long run, David, I am... It's uh, a no- on long run, it is a nothing burger. I 100% agree. I think yeah. we are going to have a censorship resistant. Right. Um, but like, if you want to make your own call on that, Megless right. listener, first, listen to Justin Drake on uncensorable yes. Ethereum in order to it's have... why we made that podcast. Yeah, we made it, and we made it before all of this yes. uh, because started happening. Because we knew happening. it was coming. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's that's what I think you should do. David, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we have a new announcement out of Flashbots called something called Suave, which we have some details on. Uh, it was an announcement that I actually had to go ping Hazu. He was like, hey, Azu, can you give me the details for this? And he was like, no, announcement's coming soon. But then he followed up with some details. So we got those details coming soon. Uh, the European Union preparing to ban mining what's going on over there, and a critical vulnerability found in Cosmos IBC. We'll cover all the details and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. The reality today is that five corporations control the entire world of social media. They own our names, they restrict our content, they monitor our every move. And their time is up, thanks to our sponsor, Deso. Deso is a layer one blockchain built from the ground up to decentralize and scale social networks. With Deso, you can own your own identity, content, and social graph and take it with you across hundreds of applications already built on the censorship-resistant DSO blockchain. DSO's storage advantages make it finally possible to build infinite state applications that can efficiently store and index large amounts of content and data fully on-chain. DSO also offers multiple crypto-native monetization primitives for developers and creators, including social NFTs, social DAOs, social tokens, and social tipping. So in order to experience the social layer of Web3, go to DSO.com and claim your username. That's D-E-S-O dot com. If you've been listening to Bankless, you know that we're fans of the modular blockchain thesis. The idea that blockchains will separate execution from data availability and consensus, allowing all three to become the best versions of themselves. And Fuel has built the fastest modular execution layer in the industry. By supporting parallel transaction execution, Fuel unlocks significantly faster throughput for the web free world. Fuel also goes beyond the limitations of the EVM with its own Fuel VM which is more efficient and optimized, opening up the design space for developers. And lastly, Fuel brings a powerful developer experience with its own domain-specific language, Sway, and a supportive tool chain called Fork. With Fuel, you can have the benefits of smart contract languages like Solidity while adopting the improvements made by the Rust tooling ecosystem, letting the Fuel development environment go beyond the limitations of the EVM. If you want to learn more, there's a link in the show notes to see how you can get involved with the Fuel network. Flashbots reveals new version of its key Ethereum software reads the Coindesk headline. Uh, development of Suave, as the project is codenamed, has been going on for over a year now. Uh, so this has been something that Flashbots has had, 
I guess, like in their back pocket, ready to deploy, and they're coming out with details now. Uh, and so this is what I went to Hazu. I was like, Hazu, can you like help me interpret this and what's going on? Uh, and he said, uh, details still coming out soon, but conceptually, he says, you can think of Suave as the end game of the Flashbot stack. An auction, an encrypted mempool, and a block builder. It sounds like a bunch of censorship-resistant tools. Encrypted uh, mempool sounds real good. I, li I like that. Sounds awesome. Uh, as a user, you'll be able to trade on Ethereum to Suave, and any MEV that you create will be captured for you. As a searcher, you will get the perfect environment to trade, including across different chains. And as a roll-up, you can connect to Suave to get the benefits of encrypted MEV-aware trading for your users, unlocking MEV action, uh, auctions for your stakers, and all in prog a progressively decentralizing way. So this is why I think like people are being like, Flashbot, stop censoring. What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't <laughs> then, patronize their voice, David. <laughs> and then Flashbot's like, maybe they don't say anything, but that's because they have this suave thing, yeah. which answers all of the, all of the cr uh, criticisms and claims. Maybe not all of them, but is a decent job of fixing a lot of the stuff. Uh, and it's called suave and it's coming out soon. Uh, and so uh, this is coming out, and I think it's going to be, really change the conversation of this whole Ethereum censorship thing. I share that take, too. And yet, also, I don't want to go on the other side of things and just say, Ethereum community, just trust everyone. Stop sure. caring about right. censorship so much. Right? <laughs> At some level, it makes me incredibly bullish that we are getting right. such a reaction from the, sure. the community to say, this is not okay. OFAC, I mean, you go the other direction, and like go sign up for some of SBF's regulation, right? <laughs> I don't want to do that either. So we've got to strike the right chord. And like, um, I don't know, when in doubt to me, David, the best mm. thing you can do is uh, if you see a problem, grab a shovel. Just yeah. help out. If you see it, Rather yeah. than be critical, mm -hmm. help out. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's not, that's not the form for Twitter. Twitter, Twitter is all about talk. Right. Not a yeah. lot of uh, actual things Cloud get farming, done. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, what do we got? Anyways. Coming out of ZK Sync, this is their secret sauce. They have released their secret sauce. There's a lot of people who thought it's not main yet, still, yet, though, right? It's it's not mainnet, no. But the the reason why ZK Sync is first to mainnet is because they have this crazy ZK prover thing that you can prove with a GPU, and this is the the piece of the puzzle that really completes a ZK EVM, and it's the secret sauce that ZK Sync has that has allowed them to go to mainnet while everyone else is still releasing their test nets. And so ZK Sync uh, tweets out, today we are extremely excited to announce that we have successfully completed milestone three proof merging. With the integration of validity proofs, which is like uh, if, you're, if you're talking about an optimistic rollup, that would be a fraud proof. Uh, with the integration of validity proofs, ZK Sync 2.0 is officially the world's first ever ZK EVM running on public test. That's the hard thing, there, right? The validity proofs are the hard, the hard thing. thing. That's the thing. Okay. Yes. And there were many other teams. I remember uh, both people out of Arbitrum and Scroll last week who, said, who tweeted out, uh, they're, they, without naming names, even though they were just basically talking about ZK Sync. Uh, a ZK EVM claims to going to mainnet next week, uh, and by no means will it be a complete thing uh, because there's still stuff missing. And while ZK, while ZK Sync and many other Layer 2 teams are all still have much work to do, this was the thing that they thought wasn't present. And ZK Sync is saying that it's prevent, present. Now, I am not technically competent to be able to vet this myself. I do not have any idea about how a validity proof is created, but ZK Sync is saying that they got 
the thing that everyone else says that they didn't. Well, uh, and, I, and so these are the layer two wars, and they are awesome. Okay, I think this is part of the moment of truth. The other part of the moment of truth is October 28th, once the main net ships. Main and net, we are, what, yes. uh, as of the time that this is released, probably seven days away eight, from eight, that. Eight or nine days away. Yeah, yeah eight seven now, nine, seven yeah. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, exactly. yeah, we'll get to see it soon. Uh, and uh, pretty exciting. And just a reminder, David and I are advisors for ZK Sync. We're also investors, incredibly bullish about ZK EVM in general. Mm. Um, you can always find all our disclosures information in the show notes as usual, guys. Uh, Uniswap is on eight chains, David. I lost track of how many chains Uniswap yeah. deployed to. Not just Ethereum mainnet, but eight. And its next one is going to be ZK Sync. Mm-hmm. Uh, ZK Sync making moves. And so the community voted Uniswap V3 will soon to be deployed on ZK Sync. Uniswap's eighth chain. Uh, sounds like a multi-chain world, if you ask me, Ryan. And it sounds like the multi-chain world that you and I were talking about while everyone else was talking about all the alt-layer ones. So I'm just going to take a quick... Well, what are the chains? Right what are the chains, you know? They're all they're all Ethereum EVMs. No, they're so like there's not like... Ar- a- Arbitrum, Polygon, Optimism... Uh, what's the other like now? ZK Sync, uh, maybe they didn't do Avalanche, they did all yeah, of the are they? Ethereum aligned um chains. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah, uh huh. Uh, by the way, I'm really excited about the episode that we're releasing coming up with Dan Litzer about the app chain oh, thesis. Yes, this ties yes. very nicely into that super hot. Episode. Um, yeah, just teasing Thanks, that. premium listeners probably going to get that pretty damn soon here. Yeah, hopefully, um, you guys will. But we have so many podcasts in queue that it's actually going to come out for bankless premium subscribers probably like 10 to 15 days before we actually release it. Is that a promise? So, alpha, that's yeah. a that's a bankless premium promise, David. That's just made on the podcast. bankless editors are like, know. damn it, David, what do you promise? Uh, how about this? This is, this, this is pretty cool, Ryan. Well, is it a cool? Digi- yes. Okay, so as somebody who came from a tokenized real <laughs> estate first. startup, this is actually pretty cool. Right, read it first. Digital real estate platform sells house as an NFT. Uh, so you can buy a house on chain. Uh, and this is an article out of the Defiant. Uh, the way that this works is each home is titled as a limited liability company and is associated with a unique NFT on the Ethereum blockchain. This is how my old startup did it, except we did it with ERC-20s instead of, e- instead of NFTs. And we also fractionalized it. Um, the process here is that when the lender, uh, there's a lender involved, approves and funds the borrower's request on Teller, the USDC Homes platform uses the funds to purchase the LLC NFT. The NFT is then transferred to a multi-sig wallet that serves as an escrow account until the buyer pays back the entire loan and accrued interest. So there is also a mortgage and loan application being going on here as well. And this is coming out of this uh, platform called Roofstock, which was just a normal TradFi business. Uh, I remember like using Roofstock as like the competitor to go after when we are we were using our like leveraging like the blockchain when they weren't Wait, were but you talking about like, your previous startup that david used to work with pre- it's called real real yes. tea real tea yeah, yeah. uh-huh uh and then uh they but roofstock has made their own on-chain marketplace uh so they are making uh, a i think that's that's on-chain is the name on capital c chain property marketplace uh and so that is pretty damn cool okay uh can i can i take okay. the counter to this I, I didn't know we were arguing. Okay. okay. No, no, no. I just, I don't know. Is it cool though? Okay. So I have been promised um, real estate mm-hmm. on chain forever. Okay. Yes. And it's never yeah, taken it's, off. It's, it's been five a years. It's been a big five meme. years. Yeah. And you used to work at Realty. 
So I've heard mm -hmm. your previous thoughts on this. I know this is different because it's an NFT and it's cool. It seems like it's attached to kind of like- It's also different because it's a business that already existed okay. that was doing uh, democratizing access to real estate property. Okay, I get that. But also still the house is off chain, right? So all yes. you're getting is yes. kind of this um, uh, global transaction mm -hmm. verification of an off-chain mm -hmm. assets, like the real yes. world assets on-chain thing that's just also still hasn't really taken off very much yet. Yes, your your take now is is it's not crypto native, therefore why should I be excited about it? Because it's still meat space legal regulation. Kinda, You're that's totally part right. of the take. And then also the other yeah. take is just like, it's been five damn years. <laughs> right, okay, but the fact that Roofstock is doing this is different okay. because again, like I said, it's, they're all—they're not a startup. They already are like profitable as a company, probably, uh, and they are now getting into blockchain stuff. Uh, and so you're totally right in that. The, the, and this is why like tokenized real estate was also just fundamentally uninteresting to me in the first place. Was that it's not crypto native. Like I like things like ultrasound money or crypto punks, uh, but tokenized real estate or off-chain real estate is inherently not actually blockchain innovation. It's legal system yep. innovation. It's like lawyer innovation. It's a bunch is lawyer heavy blockchain light. Um, but we're seeing signs of this starting to actually roll. Okay. Um, and so we'll see. And like, there are benefits of doing on-chain stuff. There's are, there are literal, just a bigger marketplace for on-chain stuff. Um, and just things are actually easier, uh, pay, pay, payments and escrow and all that stuff. As somebody who recently you know, bought a house and did the whole escrow process, I would have loved for that to have been a multi-sig on chain. I could totally see how that would have translated. So there are real efficiency improvements by using blockchain right. stuff. You know, it's, honestly, I've always thought it's only a matter of time, right? It's just right. not gonna be the first. It's kind of right. somewhere between like, um, you know, crypto money that we have and like mm -hmm. being able to buy a coffee with, with Bitcoin, right? It's like somewhere in right. between kind of the, the spectrum of when it happens in our trajectory. Yes. But this is cool, David. All right. This is this this is cooler. I think this is definitely cooler. I th you think it's cooler? I think it's way cooler. I think it's yeah. Cooler. Uh, this is an example of like stuff that went under the radar, right? Um, Two point mm -hmm. five million people just created crypto wallets using Reddit, and no one noticed, including yeah. the redditors themselves. I'm pretty sure. Not even them. Right? They didn't even notice. Okay. So uh, this is a story from TechCrunch. Redditors have created uh, millions of crypto wallets to buy NFT avatars. This uh, is a tweet during a panel at TechCrunch Disrupt. The Reddit chief product officer revealed that to date, Reddit's Vault blockchain, which by the way is based on Polygon technology, um, hmm. created over 3 million crypto wallets to date. 3 million crypto wallets, and they didn't even know that they were creating it. Most of these, 2.5 million of them, were created to purchase NFT avatars that could be sold as profile pics on the platform. 40,000 of these things sold between 999 and ninety nine ninety nine dollars, and most of these sales are. With I want to emphasize that forty thousand NFTs were sold at various price ranges from ten to one hundred dollars, and they sold out. And the, and remember, I remember talking about this a few weeks ago, where Reddit was going to do this, and they and somebody made the comment how they never used the word NFT; they just used digital collectible, yep. and they sold it with a credit card. So. N not NFTs that are actually NFTs were sold with credit cards and 30 artists released 40,000 avatars and they all sold out. And so what's the lesson here? NFTs, don't call them <laughs> NFTs. Don't make them use crypto and just charge them credit cards. And that worked. And so like there's, 
there's now perhaps like millions of people who don't know that they just bought an NFT on a blockchain. And that they've that's connected opened to a real crypto wallet. Yes. They don't yes. know that either. That's how seamless Users who is. purchased one of the limited edition pictures got licensing rights to use it on and off Reddit as an avatar and could mix and match their avatar's look using a built-in avatar builder tool. That is cool. And this, is, this has always been the bull case for Ethereum is that it finds its way into all corners of the internet and you don't actually notice that it's there. I mean, just to benchmark this, okay? So Reddit maybe just onboarded 3 million people to crypto wallets, okay? Mm. OpenSea has about a million active wallets. Um, mm. as, of, as of last January, they had that. MetaMask does about 30 million, 30 million users. So bam, 2.5 million wow. users, just like that. That's how, nice. that's how quickly social nice. media can scale us. Uh, cool. David, what's the story? European Union countries must be ready to block crypto mining, says the European, European Commission. Members of the European Union, the EU is developing an energy-efficient label for blockchains, uh, approved, basically approved or unapproved blockchains, as the distribution of gas supplies from Russia leaves some fearing high energy prices, blackouts, and shortages. Uh, so there's a quote here. In case there, there is a need for load shedding in the electricity systems, the EU member states must be ready to stop crypto asset mining, the commission said. Load shedding is, of course, when energy companies deliberately switch off supply to certain set of users to avoid the entire grid toppling. In the coming months to years, the commission intends to take various steps to boost digital energy services while ensuring an energy efficient sector, including an energy efficient label for blockchains. I feel like, Ryan, I called this uh, when we had, we saw the invasion uh, of Ukraine by Russia. We saw the coming uh, energy squeeze as we are going into the winter. And then Ethereum went proof of stake. And right around the time where energy prices start to go through the roof in Europe. And now uh, people, the European Union says we're going to have to stop crypto mining, which is basically at this point, Ryan, just Bitcoin mining because energy is in short supply. Uh, I feel like I called this. It's it's unfortunately for Bitcoin proof of work too. It's not just the fact that they are stop like they want to stop it because of the energy waste narrative. It's the fact that they can stop it. You yes. Can, you, and well, yes. And it's also not just the narrative. They need the energy to power people's homes that Bitcoin is sucking up. Right. That 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 is the fact on the ground too. I know it's. Uh, I think it's a major problem for uh, proof of work yeah. moving forward, uh, and certainly yeah. a re regulatory burden for uh, for Bitcoin. Uh, David, what's this? What happened with Cosmos last week? Yeah, huge security vulnerability, at least it's allegedly huge. On October 13th, Ethan Buckman, the co-founder of the IBC ecosystem of Cosmos, says that a critical security vulnerability has been discovered that impacts all IBC-enabled Cosmos chains for all versions of IBC, as in the whole thing. Uh, Buckman assured that steps have already been taken to ensure that all major public IBC-enabled chains have been patched. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, the whole thing got a bug. I mean, this sounds, That's sounds really bad because IBC is, sounds really is bad. everywhere. I mean, if something like yes. this could take down the entire interchain. Um, yes. It's funny. This just came out after. But, it, but it's patched. It's, but patched, it's patched. Thank Nothing God. Happened. And they found it before anything really yes. bad happened. Um, yeah. But it's uh, disconcerting when something like this is kind of so yeah. deep in, in the code. Uh, David, BNY Mellon. This is a, a bank, old school, traditional mm -hmm. bank. They just launched a digital asset custody platform. Is this a big deal? 
Well, it's not only a very old bank, it's America's oldest bank, Ryan, 238 years old. Uh, Select clients will now be able to hold and transfer Bitcoin and Ether. Uh, So a quote from the article, while BNY is not the first bank to explore crypto, this is still big important news because BNY Mellon reaches 20% of the world's investable assets, a remarkable remarkable 42 trillion in assets under custody and 1.8 trillion in assets under management. That's, those are big just numbers. Shows you how- well, re- remember how the crypto industry is currently at 0.95 trillion, mm. and BNY Mellon has 1.8 trillion in assets under management. It's Bitcoin and Ether. Bitcoin and Ether. It shows you how, um, I guess, saturated Bitcoin and Ether have become among mainstream mm-hmm. uh, finance as well. We got a lot more work to do with DeFi, but uh, yeah. Bitcoin and Ether as assets are there. Uh, in getting into releases, DYDX just released an option for fiat onboarding. Is that what this looks like? Credit card deposit. So yeah, you can now fund your DYDX account with a credit card. Uh, and my only take here is that the current Ethereum ecosystem or crypto ecosystem has like, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I don't know, 10 on-ramps of, of fiat. But the bull case for Ethereum is that it goes to infinity because all of the apps on all the chains all have their own native onboarding, whether they if they need it. Uh, and that's what we're seeing here is that you just DYDX is an application. It's going to be its own chain. It has its own native onboarding. So every single endpoint of Ethereum can produce its own. I think so. I think what you're crypto. saying, if you want to get money into DeFi, fiat into DeFi, you have to take a step. And that step is usually in the form of like your bank to yep. a crypto exchange like a Coinbase or Gemini to... DeFi, right? It's like a three-step yes. hop. This goes direct from right. bank to DeFi. Bank to DeFi. Very yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, how yes. about this? What's OPCraft? OPCraft is an autonomous world, a fully on-chain virtual space, kind of like Minecraft, definitely like Minecraft, where the entire world, every aspect, every river, blade of grass, every patch of snow on the mountains exists on-chain. And every single action in the world happens as an Ethereum transaction. Uh, so this is built using what Optimism released at uh, a little bit before DEF CON, which is the OP stack. And so the OP stack is this modular layer two stack. Uh, I think it's gonna be the future of layer twos because just like how Ethereum layer one has going from monolithic to modular, so are Ethereum layer twos. Except what OP Craft has done is they've popped out the Ethereum VM and they popped in Minecraft. <laughs> Which is crazy. Why would you do this? I don't know. But now we have a verifiable like state machine of Minecraft that now exists uh, as a part of the OP stack. This is really cool. So uh, here's a there's a link in there, by the way, where you can uh, play OP craft if you want to try that out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. David, on the raises this week, the, the most notable one, I think, was this one from Chainsafe. Chainsafe mm-hmm. is excited to announce that they raised $18.75 million dollars as a Series A. The reason that's notable is Chainsafe. What do they do, David? They make clients. Uh, they make three main clients. They make Lodestar for Ethereum. They make a client for Polkadot. They also make a client for Filecoin. Uh, so cool. A, I mean, we like it uh, when our clients get money because uh, this entire industry is built on clients. So that's that. Congrats to the Chainsafe team. Uh, this reminds me of the, um, the episode that we did early in the week with Arbitrum's purchase of uh, Prismatic and the Prism yeah. team, the, the major yeah. Ethereum client, of course. You can catch that in the uh, RSS feed somewhere. It's also with a raise. It's time to remind you that we have a jobs board. It's live. Crypto's hiring. And what should people do, David? They should get a job, Ryan. Get a job in crypto. Do you know, I saw some tweets back like, hey, I did it. Ryan, David, I got a job in crypto. I, I see that my almost every tweets. week. Yeah, they're, they're my favorite, favorite tweets. tweets. If you do get a job in crypto, make sure you shout out 
because yeah. like congrats to you and also yes. you deserve welcome congrats, yeah. welcome welcome to the world of web3 i'm gonna read a few jobs for you guys as i usually do uniswap labs hiring a director of product management platform non-technical is that i don't really know nah, question I think, mark I think developer <laughs> relations lead uh Developer relations? Yeah, I'm really stuck right? with David. I think These that's non-technical. You need to know a little bit, but yeah. I think that I'm gonna say that's non-technical. Senior front-end engineer, that's technical. That's technical. Senior back-end engineer, trading platform, technical. That's technical. Head of security at Optimism. That's, that's technical. Senior infrastructure engineer, DevOps. That's technical. We got roles from Rabbit Hole, CoinShift, Ribbit Capital, and on. If you want access to all of these jobs, go to bankless.palette.com slash jobs and log in and find out more. All right, guys, coming up, we've got some takes from Twitter. Of course, Bitcoin and ETH, what were they worth five years ago compared to now? And where do, what does that tell us about the future? Of course, as always, make sure you like and subscribe if you're enjoying this episode so far. We'll be right back. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Sequence is the all-in-one developer platform you need to build Web3 games and applications. For your users, Sequence is a smart wallet and it's the easiest, most intuitive onboarding your users will ever experience and comes with all the features users need to feel empowered in the Web3 world. Multi-chain support, NFT display, and users can buy SFTs, NFTs, and crypto directly with a credit or debit card. For developers, Sequence is the plug-and-play platform for Web3 games and apps. Their APIs let you bring NFTs, SFTs, and tokens into your game or application. And a Sequence Relayer enables gasless transactions for your users. Sequence already powers some of the best Web3 games like Skyweaver, NFT projects like CoolCats, and marketplaces like NiftySwap. And Sequence is compatible with all the EVM chains, including Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, Arbitrum, Optimism, and Avalanche. So go to sequence.xyz bankless to start building or speak with the Sequence team today. TruFi is DeFi's largest credit protocol, connecting global lenders with institutional-grade lending opportunities. TruFi has completed over $1.7 billion in originations and paid out nearly $35 million to lenders, proving that DeFi is ready to take its next big leap into the $8 trillion credit market. TruFi gives lenders like you access to sustainable, high-yield opportunities backed by real-world investments, usually reserved for high-net-worth individuals. At the same time, fund managers use TruFi's financial infrastructure to bring their portfolios on-chain, benefiting from the global liquidity, cost savings, and transparency of DeFi. TruFi is a decentralized financial utility. The protocol is owned and governed by the TruFi DAO, and TruFi is here to bring DeFi into the golden age, bridging the power and access of crypto with institutional-grade lending opportunities and portfolio tooling. Explore the diverse financial opportunities available on TruFi or launch your own portfolio at TruFi.io. Robert Leshner tweets out, think of all that has happened in crypto and globally since January of 2018. The reason why he's saying January 2018 because that was the top of the 2017 ICO mania. It was December to January. And then he goes, well, keep thinking about it. Bitcoin and Ether are both worth less than they were five years ago. It's also a, an anniversary of the top of 2017 tweet. Uh, that's basically uh, also what's going on here. But Robert Leshner says, they are, Bitcoin and Ether are worth less than they were five years ago. How does that make you feel, Ryan? Confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, also confused. Unless you're really tripping this. me out. Okay, 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 Robert. I'm thinking about it. He says, keep thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Is that bullish? I think it's or bullish. bearish. It's bullish. Well, we always went in doubt. Always, uh, side, always be bullish. Side of bullish. Always be bullish. I think it's yeah. bullish. I think it it's means, bullish. well, probably it was very bearish if you were in January 2018. I mean, that like, um, there's a lot of price 
and like not right. a lot here. Right. So it was, it was the, the next five years of growth priced in. At, it's in already December, priced January, in, right? right? Uh-huh. But now the question is, are the next five years of growth priced in with an ETH at what, 2000 or 1200 something? 1200, is that what we read at the top of the episode? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to go with no. No, it's not priced in. I'm going to go with hell no. It's hell not no. priced in. Can't be priced in. I don't, there's I don't no think way. there's there ever been a moment where the full potential of Ethereum has been priced in, except at the top. Well, yes, and we won't know, of course, until we see the full potential of Ethereum, what the full like price price should be. But yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I, I think that's what he's probably saying, although you could mm-hmm. interpret this the other way and be like, eh, noth- I guess nothing's happened. I think he's saying a lot's happened in the last five yes. years. That's what he's yes, saying. I'm pretty sure it's All right, much. what's this? David Hoffman is saying, Bankless is bigger than just Bankless HQ, and here you are with a photo, someone in a Bankless tee, but it looks a little different. What's this Bankless yeah, tee? Yeah, this is the this is the Bankless Brazil guys, uh, which Ryan and I have signed us up for a podcast with them next week. Oh, cool. Um, so we're uh, record do I need to know Portuguese? Or am I good? Uh, no, uh, I don't know Portuguese either. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just cool to see all the different flavors of Bankless teas that are out and about DevCon. And so shout out to the Bankless Brazil team who just keeps on chugging along. They're, they're crushing it. With you guys. Their podcast yeah, they're is great. It's it. in my feed. Yeah. I like yeah. listen to it just to, because, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't understand Portuguese, but it's just fantastic. <laughs> and these guys are crushing it social media as well. Mm-hmm. Here's a tweet from Tom Emmer. Do you want to read this one? Yeah, Tom Emmer, Representative Tom Emmer says, decentralization is the point. I'm pretty sure this is subtweeting SBF. If we sacrifice DeFi for legislation, we're throwing away the opportunity. Yes. Nice job, Tom Emmer. David, it's a politician saying this. Yeah, that's cool. It's incredible. It's amazing. Uh, One other tweet. This is the classic regulatory capture attack. Reads the tweet. Reads the tweet. Here's what you do if you want to uh, classically Everyone, everyone write down your notes. Capture. Okay. This is uh, Dr. Dick. This was a tweet put out over the summer, but uh, I think it's resurfaced and you might see why. So if you want to capture an industry, here's what you do. Number one, you enter a nascent unregulated industry and then you be early, you be lucky, you be aggressive, you make hay while the sun shines. Then- Okay, okay, so you build a business and you make a lot of money. Yep, step one. Step two, you get away with whatever you can. You push it right up to the point where you're told to stop. You find the boundaries. Step okay, two. so uh, you liquidate your own customers, you shill a bunch of tokens, and you make more money. Check, check, check. Number three, you've made your billions. Well done. Got your market share. Now it's time to shut the door behind you. Mm. You spend a good chunk of your spoils on compliance, in quotes. Mm. The goal now is to beat the market leader at the regulations you know are coming. Lawyer up to the max. Mm-hmm. starts to sound like someone I know. Okay. Number four, you know they're coming because it's you that's lobbying for them. This industry needs, quote, cleaning up for the good of the customer. Even better mm. if you think a think of the children. <laughs> Even better if you can find a think of the children narrative. You're the champion of making this industry better. Ah, so like you make a bunch of uh, a blog posts that are like, hey, we need to protect consumers. And you talk about that a lot. You spend time in Washington. You're the adult mm. in the room. You know how yeah. to solve this. You get where they're coming from. You get where crypto crypto is coming from or whatever industry you're trying to conquer. Sure. Number yep. five, this gets the regulators on your side because you're the actor most progressive in the industry right. and compliance. They have to let you pass because you're top mm. of the pile. They yeah. can't be seen destroying the industry. So they need a good guy to get behind. Kind of a fall guy, good guy. Hey, if yeah. this person says it's okay, it must be okay, right? And he's crypto right. and you're crypto. Yeah. Why don't you like it? Number yeah. six, every other newcomer to the space hasn't made enough money yet to be able to afford the new compliance regime. Yeah, this is regulatory arbitrage. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. You're shutting Check them out. out. And in any yeah. case, you've hired all the people that know how to impact the rules and implement them. In fact, you've made the rules, so you, you know them better than anyone. Number seven, here's what happens next. Maybe we're at number seven. Regulations come in. 
Everyone uh-huh. dies apart from you and the handful of big players on your tail or the ones willing to play the outlaw regulatory arbitrage game. So what do you do now? Now your job is to layer on the bureaucracy. Lobby for the regulations to fit the way you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. If you have a competitor that's doing it radically different, lobby to make it illegal. Mm. Congratulations. You've captured the industry. Now it's time for Ultra Monopoly. Own it all. Crush your competitors. Make your shareholders happy. The end. I hate this movie. This movie sucks. I've seen this movie before. I've seen this movie before. It's the banking yeah. industry. It's so many yeah. industries. It's social media. It's so many industries yes. that achieve it's every industry capture. that. And this is this is why Ethereum as a protocol and the all core devs call puts such a strong emphasis on credible neutrality because the one thing that we are trying to do in Ethereum is make systems that are capture resistant. And this tweet thread starts with the classic regulatory capture attack. It's when so when was this tweet thread written? Uh, when, 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 I can go the date on this. Um, July, July 3rd, 3rd, 2022. Months ago. Months ago. Months ago. Months ago. And, um, you know, I, we don't have to name names, obviously, but um, sure. this is what we should be wary of in the industry. And particularly, yeah. I, th- I think the threat could be coming from crypto bankers in the industry. Crypto banks, yep. Uh, specifically. It could be coming from DeFi, another stage, maybe DeFi protocols, but not right now. Maybe. Um, all right, David, what are you excited about this week? What's uh, making you bullish? Uh, I am bullish on college kids, Ryan. What? Uh, <laughs> on, on Monday, I went and gave a talk to the Princeton Blockchain Club, uh, about 12, 12 kids, 12 Princeton kids who were all super into crypto, a um, bunch, uh, bunch of juniors, a few freshmen, a couple seniors. Uh, and the questions they asked were really, really smart. Like what? And if, you, if you're asking smart questions, about crypto, you're already like half of the way through it. I, I'm told Princeton kids are pretty smart. They are pretty smart, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> okay. yes. Uh, and then also, uh, tomorrow, on Friday, I'm going to go and teach a computer science class about Ethereum. Uh, wait, so I'm headed wait, to David doing computer science? They're in trouble. Someone's in trouble. Yeah. Okay, Someone's so I'm going to ta- talk about, uh, I'm going to do my classic, uh, Ethereum is a piece of software that's actually meant to produce culture. So... Because uh, like somebody else can teach them computer science way better than I can, yeah. but I'm going to talk about how code influences culture, yeah. applications of, yeah. of and culture. And you're going to be wearing right? your SpongeBob uh, sweater to, in order yeah, to do perhaps. that. Show yeah, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm, I'm just like stoked on it because like there's more and more surface area for college kids, universities, both grad and undergrad. There's graduate students in the NYU class uh, to get exposure to crypto. Uh, and uh, the professor of this class I actually met at ECC. So professors are in the Ethereum community going back to their university to teach their kids about crypto. Do, what do you think uh, the, um, like, at colleges and universities, do you think um, any students are listening to the bank list? You think we get the, uh, the Gen Z uh, students? Yeah, so uh, the, the professor, I asked her, is like, uh, how much the bank list is in your, uh, like, uh, your, what do you call it? curriculum yeah syllabus. and she was like uh a, a lot a lot of bank really <laughs> like articles yes, yes. Episodes? yes and, and evan mcmullen has also taught Damn. like guest lectured for classes around new york yeah and she says she just like regurgitates bankless episodes uh, nice well i've always wanted <laughs> and that's to just be the a, ones we know about i've always wanted to be a professor personally <laughs> i've so. also always wanted to be a professor well maybe are we being professors right now is this how you do pseudo professor yeah yeah. podcast i both want to and i really really don't want to do you know what i mean like yeah i want i want a guest lecture i don't want to teach yeah (laughs) well you live in the dream man that's awesome dude yeah Yeah. what are you bullish on man i am bullish that this bear market doesn't feel like a bear market what i'll say is it just feels different um Mm. i've said this before but look 2018 2019 if you weren't there it was utter despair ethereum was was dead 
Bitcoin uh, was maybe kind of alive. It was on life support, but DeFi had zero product market fit. Um, it was the Great Depression of crypto. It was real. It was very bleak. It was very sad. This does not feel like that at all. No. Prices are down, but there's no depression. I mean, the builders no are building. Like yeah. nothing has stopped that. Nothing has stopped. Yeah. In fact, I think the velocity has increased because there's less noise. Yes. And there's more good, signal. Bu- good building is off the charts. There's Bad also like better talent times. entering the space, and so yeah. we we actually slowed down our building. I think during the last uh, bear market, we didn't even know what to build. And this time I see more uh, firm like resolution rather than despair. And uh, so this is the bear market, but it's a bear market that's different than the last one. This one bear market, we already have product market fit. And you know what I think this makes it, David? It's the most obvious bear market ever because you know we're coming out the other side. The most obvious time most, to buy is what I mean. Ah, okay. Like, yeah, so obvious bear market. I don't think anyone was contesting that's a bear market. Like the most obvious um, bear market, implying that like uh, we're actually gonna go and, and end the bear market. Exactly. A bear market before the bull market is what I mean. Sure. It's just sure. only a matter of time. And I didn't honestly feel like like so last time, David, I was like, we might not make it. Like this story might not end well. Um, right. This is a completely different feeling, which means like. Um, I'm back, I'm back to maybe Leshner's uh, tweet, right? It's like, this is the price of ETH now. It's the price that was five years ago. And look at the five mm. years of building. And look yes. at all of the talent that is continuing yes. to build in the space and has entered the space in order to build. Tell me you're bullish on that. I bearish on that. I, oh, yeah. I dare you to be bearish on that. No. Um, so it's going to be fine. And uh, I think that's the difference between this one and the last. Nice. Getting me bullish. <sighs> Getting you excited, getting the people excited at the end of the podcast. Uh, all right, what's the meme of the week? Is that going to get them excited? Meme of the week. Let's do it. Anyone else getting deja vu, says Nick White of Celestia. Monolithic layer ones are like iPhones, made to be obsolete in a couple of years, so you buy a new one. <laughs> and here, here's the meme of uh, this guy but getting like, receiving a shirt as a present, and it's the same exact shirt he already <laughs> is wearing. And he's wearing Solana. Uh, oh, uh, uh uh, what's the what's the one below Solana again? Uh, Cardano. 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 I don't know why Cardano's there actually. Uh, Definity Avalanche. And now he's holding Aptos, and he goes, "Oh my God, thanks! I can't wait to try out my new monolithic layer one." I do like the evolution of like monolithic layer ones. It's just like a shinier phone, a shinier iPhone. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good metaphor. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love this guy's face too. <laughs> he just like got the exact same <laughs> gift. We keep receiving this gift every single cycle. Well, he clearly loves it. He's wearing it. <laughs> totally. You just put put another one in the closet. It's a it's a benefit. I guess maybe you could do that with layer ones too. Yeah. All right guys, uh this has been the roll up. We appreciate you hanging with us. As always, got to remind you of this very important advice that is not financial advice. Risks and disclaimers. ETH is risky, Bitcoin is risky, so is DeFi, so is all crypto. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. But I want this guy right here, Ryan Sean Adams. I don't know who the F you are because you're not important, but here he says, please, dear Lord, and any lawmakers or adults reading this tweet, just know BitBoy doesn't represent us either. Talk to Jay Stravinsky, talk to Miller CWL, talk to Coin Center. You know what? We are tired of people that look like this guy trying to run stuff. I don't represent the people the fuck I don't. I'm the one who does. It's me. I'm the one out here putting the work in behind the scenes trying to save crypto while these devils, Sam Bankman fried Brian Armstrong, they're trying to permanently ruin it. This is not about money for me. 
I hope you guys understand this. I am here fighting for you. This guy with these freaking glasses on, this douchebag is out here trying to tell you that only the suits know what to do. Only the suits, only the people who have all the money, they're the ones who can determine what happens. No, our bill is for the people. And you're gonna find this out. We've got the funding for it and it's coming out.